Welcome to a place where God's people are enlightened and empowered through the ministry of the Spirit and strategic communication of God's Word for Kingdom Dominion. We are a people committed to establishing Kingdom civilization in our various sphere of influence. Welcome to Build. Oh, 
Make sure you are not silenced. Make sure you are participating. Thank you, Lord. La la rati e mena kude ibenande koka ninde kagrika pai la di tela kome na ita la brendo kus kus kobe la di kobe la hata. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Nande deri atala di kobe kamarande kapo shebeli kapa. Kamai kaposto menande ile berando kovila itaba bomba la barande des
scripture when it comes to a people and a generation I've said it several times that the trends for the people of God are based on the times and so every it is quite I, I strongly believe that a teacher has to be prophetic because you can teach things that God is not doing right so the prophetic accuracy helps you to pick what God is doing and then your ability to break it down. So, so I, I, for me, it doesn't end with the fact that you can pick it. It's very important that you can break it down for people to understand. But you see, when the word of God comes, it's important to be doers of the word. Doers of the word. There's quite a lot that is lined up. How many of us were blessed last week? I think I, I again and again. Such a powerful message. But you see, let me ask one more question. How many of us have saved the soul in one week? Save the soul, talk to someone, engage someone in the gospel in the past one week. Let me see. One. Okay. So, God will help us. But it's not just that God will help us. I have a proof sheet that is coming out where we would fix ourselves by God. Now you can run away but I'm saying that by God's grace I'll work with those that will be doers of the word. There's a lot that is going on planning for Akubano and I'll probably continue to share. Still take it down. So I'll, I'll still continue to share but um, I want us to be doers of the word. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I was able to reach out to two souls, two, regardless of the long week that I had. Very long one, by the way. Two souls, well, which they can't be here today because they are working today, so I found out that their place of work, both of them work at the same place. So they are working today. But I was able to branch there and still reach out to one of them because the other is not feeling well. So I was able to still reach out to one of them. I branched at that place of work today. So I want us to be very active, very intentional. We're not just going to series, we're not going to talk, we're going to we're going to be doers of the word. Somebody say I'm a doer of the word. 
All right, good. So that's one. Number two, it's just a charge, let me say. I want us to trust God to not grow. The, the word I can call is now is a thick skin against the word of God. Now, so, you know, someone can be serious with God probably to a, to a certain extent, goes to church, prays, fasts, does everything that church people do, but there are particular areas that God cannot penetrate in his life. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So, yeah, when there is time for blessings and prophecy is there, when it can even come for prayers. And, but just there are few areas in the person's life where there is no way you want to teach the message. The guy understands what you're about to say. And he knows that what he's doing is probably wrong or not according to the word of God. But there is a thick skin against the word of God that does not allow that word to penetrate. One of the signs that you will go far with God is the ability to tremble at the word. Is that meekness, that openness, that malleability that when God comes and he says this is the one that you need to adjust, be adjusted. So I'm saying those two things so that God helps us, you know. It was such a great message. Everybody was happy to the point where we said some people should wait behind. Um, we'll find out if you will join us for evangelism. Then some people were trying to run away. That was the funny part. The funny part was that I was close to the door and some people were trying to move thinking I was not seeing them. I'm seeing you. I'm not going to stop you from going on. Be on your way. <laughs> but there's no point trying to find a way to dodge. So, what I'm trying to say is that we should not develop a thick skin against the world. I personally, um, I'm that kind of person that, I'm a teacher. Based on my make, I'm not supposed to have a large shot for any reason. Based on my make. I will train people that can do it, but most probably not do it. What I do presently is not because of crowd control. What I do presently, what I'm saying we should do now is because of the need of the times. Coupled with several encounters. Both from angels and from demons. Anyway. But it is well. May the Lord grant us understanding. Alright, so last week we covered it was a charge on the gospel and it was such a great one. What did we discuss last week? So I discussed a few reasons why we should preach the gospel. And can we remember? Huh? What was number one? Huh? Yeah, thank you. So number one was that God's solution to man's problem is... So the gospel was given by God to be the solution to all of man's... That was number one. Number two... Huh? Okay. The gospel is a revelation of God's love. Number three. The gospel is good news. Alright. Number four. Gives purpose to life. Alright. Number five. Hope for mankind. So that's... That was where we paused then we entered. So I asked a question. That I haven't laid down all of this. Why should we not preach the gospel. Then I noted three important things about the gospel too. Again, 
I noted that number one, the gospel is committed to my personal trust, right? So the gospel is a corporate responsibility, but it's committed to our personal trust. And then what else did I say? We did not pick that part. I explained that as children of Abraham, our blessings come with a responsibility. I rounded up with the fact that for the gospel to prevail, it will prevail to the degree to which we commit to it personally. And so, I want us to kill that ideology, oh, the church is going to save souls, and ensure that we do our work as children of God. I've said it all. If, if you want to choke God with the fact that you are a child of Abraham, our, Abraham had two major sons, like I was teaching last week. Two major sons. Isaac and Ishmael. Why are we looking like we don't know? <laughs> Isaac and who? <laughs> Good. So, Abraham had two major sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Isaac's blessing came with a responsibility. Ishmael's blessing did not come with a responsibility. Ishmael's blessing was just because he came out of Abraham. So he was blessed. But Isaac was saddled with the responsibility to continue that generation of people that would live by faith. Is that true? Good. So, um, as children of Abraham, we have a responsibility. And, and church people were amazing people, but were easily inclined to receive from God than to stand up for our responsibilities. But by God's grace, this, this month and next month, we will by any means necessary. So today we're studying um, the message and evangelism. I've touched it probably last week already. But we're studying the message and evangelism. Next week we're studying when you are saved. And I really don't want you to meet next week. It's going to be it's going to be a lot. There's a part in that next week that I like. It's two major parts though. But there's a part in that next week that I like, which is me attempting to address this idea that in church we come as we are, right? And it's a, it's a great one, it's true, and I've said it too. So we have to address that matter. Because that matter has side effects too. So we're going to talk about it. So when somebody gets saved, what do we do with the person? That's next week. And then prayer service the next month was studying the gospel as an institution. As an institution in my control system. Alright, so the gospel as the message. I, I've done this teaching a couple of times. Give me John 3.16. I like starting from John 3.16. Popular scripture, but I, I always love to start from John 3.16. Um, I've talked about the message in the Believer series last year. I talked about the message in the conference last year too. So I've talked about it extensively and I want to believe that we are not new to this. Yeah. I I thought it in your fellowship when I came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. Can we read the scripture together? It's a popular one. Let's read it. One, two, go. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's go to verse 17, then verse 18, and then we round up. So, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Next verse. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So go back to verse 16. So if you, if you study this scripture in context, you would realize that the gospel is a message to believe. I think we've discussed that a lot. So, so that the gospel is not an apology for things you have done. When people preach, and, and, and this is quite important because how Jesus, I've said this several times, Jesus said two very instructive statements. Be careful what you hear. Then he came back later to say, be careful how you hear. So it's not, it's not enough that you heard what you heard, but how you heard what you heard is as important as what you heard. So this people easily people to be um, moral, a, a moral movement or a movement for morality. And as true as, as, as great as that idea is, true to an extent is not complete. Because the gospel is not really about being sanctimonious and being moral alone. There is a message to believe to get saved. And so you, you would see that in the ideology of people when they go to preach. So somebody comes to preach and the emphasis is on the things that you are doing wrong. And understandably so, people are doing all kinds of things. All kinds of things. <laughs> all kinds of things. Sometimes I like to sing songs like "I'll fly away, oh glory." Do you know that song? They sing it during um, when they want to do obituary. Jim, I know it's Jim Rose, but do you know that song that they always sing when they want to do announcements? They are true. Lala, you know this. Song. This world is not my own. <laughs> this place is. I love those songs actually. Fabski knows it very well. The angels beckon, and I can't feel home in this world. song to pray and somebody was like nobody's going to die <laughs> in jesus name I'm like, no nobody's really good this is like it's a very nice song is that song not amazing i love that song i think there are three major jimmy songs that i love so much this one the other one i fly away it's, it's jimmy Rusuna. and then oh glory ah. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird to many people. <laughs> when I die, hallelujah, by and by, I fly away. 
I love all these kinds of songs, though. Alright, let me sing the one that we'll be able to sing. That one that we sang last week. Uh, I don't know why the song is leaving my head a lot these days. Uh, <laughs> did you hear that? Across the grave, there's no more sorrow. Across the grave, there's no more pain. <laughs> but no, there's another one that we sang last week. No, it's not, it's not. Before we sang in Christ alone. All our pains and our sufferings will be no more. Please let me find the song. I've forgotten. The, it, no, it's not Jim Reeves. I'm just saying I want to look for someone. Yeah. No, but we can't sing it here. We can't sing We'll, we'll scatter it. But anyways, I'm just saying that uh, even though the world is weird, the world we live in right now is a very choking space for someone who loves Jesus. But please play that. Just be playing that. Um, the angels back on me. Just be playing. Thank you. So, um, even though it's weird, so we need that atmosphere for this kind of talk. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> So even though it's weird to live in the world that we live in, the truth is that the gospel is not just a moral movement. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not, it's not just about the fact that there are people that did not need Jesus to stop masturbating. I think I read it one time. Sorry, I watched a documentary one time of a young boy that was struggling with it. And then he met a therapist and the therapist had to take him through a lot, you know, met several people and stuff, and they tested his brain and a lot of things to prove to him. One of the things that they were able to prove to him was that his IQ has dropped because of his interaction with pornography. And that any young man that starts to interact with pornography, he affects, he affects your IQ. That is that crazy. So all of that, I remember one particular scene when the guy was with the therapist in the car and he was running crazy. But he was feeling bad for himself. He was feeling bad because so all of this has been happening to him and he thought he had been enjoying his life. Alright? And some of them after that kind of sequence, they stop. They can't go back to it again. But that does not mean they are saved. Is that true? Alright, great. So the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son and whosoever believeth in him. So, the gospel is a message to believe. Is a message to believe. Is a message. Now, what, what exactly is that message? Give me Romans chapter 5, verse 6. So, we know the things that the gospel is not. We know that salvation is not an altar call. Even though an altar call is a great system, actually. Because you have to disciple the people that just got saved. You can't just say they were in the crowd and they believed. You have to find them to disciple them. So it's a great, it's a great system to get people and get them discipled. But yeah, the Bible says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. See, there are scriptures about salvation and I really trust God that God will groom us to that point where when we speak scriptures like this, it touches us, it blesses our spirits. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So man had a debt to pay. Man had a debt to pay that he could not pay by himself. Man had a debt to pay that he could not pay by himself. And God, out of his love. So I'll give you my, what my definition is at the end though. But 
God out of his love gave us Jesus because man could not save himself. So God did not have to give Jesus. That, that, that's the important part we need to pick. That if God did not send Jesus to save us, nothing would have happened. It would be fine and life would go on. So it was a revelation of the love of God that God helped man pay his debts. Do you understand? So that's, you understand John 3, 16. We were bankrupt, we were full, we were without strength. In due time, God sends Jesus to die for the ungodly. So I would always say in John 3, 16 is my idea of salvation, which is the fact that salvation or the gospel is a revelation of the love of God. Write it down. So, so you have to note that. The gospel is a revelation of the love of God. At the core of what happened in the gospel is the fact that God loved the world. For God, give me back that John 3.16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so he didn't have to give Jesus, but he gave Jesus because and sometimes you need to ask your parents because some of us were born into this Christian circle so it's cool for us some of us ask our parents what they went through in the hands of traditional worshippers some of us need to ask our parents roads that women could not pass because they will say spirits are going to attack but it wasn't actually spiritual it's human beings that will come as masquerades and carry them you need to see the darkness that was in Nigeria. But for God so loved the world. You know, many of us are not scared like before again. But there was a time when if a king dies, everybody is afraid. Because they can come pick anybody on the road that is supposed to die with the king. One. Number two, they will have to still carry people for sacrifices. Kill them to appoint a new king. For God so loved the world that he gave. So there is no more sacrifice to make. This is a revelation of the love of God. And then he gave his son. And that's the idea behind salvation. The message of salvation is not just a message about the morality of men. It's not a message about your ordination. Because it's weird the kind of things that people preach around salvation these days. But anyways, the gospel is a simple revelation of the love of Jesus. Amongst, there are many things that I think that, um, um, the Western church is not getting well. But I think on this note, the Western church is doing a great job. Churches in the U.S. are doing a great job around this area of emphasizing that salvation is a revelation of the love of God. Some of us in Nigeria here were still stubborn. And for several reasons, for several reasons. Some of us is because we've been holy for a long time. Now you want to tell me that this guy is not going to apologize for all of these things, including this shirt that he stole from me. Oh, God so loved the world. You see, one thing that you will need to understand about grace is that grace is unfair. Grace was not designed to be fair. So it means that even the believers will be pained by the people that will get saved. Just imagine that, you know, we read about Paul and we talk about Paul like he was a dangerous man of God. Remember, that some people have hurt because of Paul. Some people saw Paul dragging their family members to go and kill them. And then the guy comes back and then he says, and a poor, a poor, a poor. Oh, God so loved though. See, even I myself have not been able to wrap my head around this. Because me too, I've been fair now. I've not really been bad all my life. But for God, 
love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever I love the scripture believers in him will not perish but have everlasting life second Corinthians 5 verse so I have thought that a lot of times I just had to recap on that that salvation or the gospel is a revelation of the love of God now second Corinthians 5 verse 18 let's start moving into the business of tonight and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation next verse to wait that God was in Christ hallelujah reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation there are two major things you will pick from this scripture two major things you will pick from this scripture number one is that the ministry of reconciliation is for all believers write it down the ministry of reconciliation is for all believers i've touched on the message i'll leave because we don't have time touched on the message i've left i'm talking about evangelism now the ministry of reconciliation is for all believers the Bible says to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. You see, this is how it works. God was reconciling the world unto himself through Christ Jesus. But you see, when we got saved, we entered a covenant. And may, may our believers in this generation get this. That it's not just the covenant of substitution. It's a covenant of codex. If Christ died for us, then we died in him. Is that true? Because we have to die. So if Christ died for us, then we died in him. And the covenant of substitution teaches that the life that we are living now is no more our lives. We have a responsibility to continue the life of the person that died. Is that true? And what was Jesus doing? This was what Jesus was doing. The Bible says, through the healings, through the deliverances, through the casting out devils, through the turning um, water to wine, all of the testimonies of Jesus, his death, his ascension, is not just a proof of the power of God. All that God was doing is captured in this scripture. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So, the goal of Jesus' life was to ensure that men are reconciled back to who? And so, if you receive the life of Jesus, you have a responsibility because you are saved. This is it all. You can't sit down and say, I'm a music team. You can't sit down and say, what I know how to do is handling cameras. Because, you see, I love the kingdom message. And I'm a preacher of the kingdom message. Me, I'm a kingdom man. I'm not a grace man. I'm a kingdom man. But you see, I will still talk about the kingdom message and the lapses that it cost. Because people started focusing on their gifting and not their assignments. Follow me. People started focusing on the fact that I can use my gifts to serve the kingdom. And I've taught it here. I taught it in the man God uses. That you can't serve God without a gift. Is that true? But, but that is not enough. When it comes to the reconciling of the world, everybody is in this business. And so, if a believer has been a believer for one, two, three years and does not have converts, there is a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation you see when the master gave different talents to three different people and the last person 
which was given one talent, did not do what the talent was given to him for. Kept the talent on the ground. This is not a perfect scenario, but let's use this. It work. And then when the master came back, the guy said that, I know that you are a wicked man. You live where you reap where you don't sow. All kinds of stories. But I kept the talent for you and I came to give you back the talent that you gave me the way you gave me. There is something that the master said that is very instructive that we need to pay attention to. The master called him a wicked and an unprofitable servant. Which would mean that if you come back to God the way you came, eh? God, I know that you my soul. I didn't save anybody, but I came alone. There is a problem. Because that state is a state of wickedness. And so sometimes, yeah, we want to preach a chilled gospel, but there's an aspect of the gospel that is not chilled. Honestly speaking, can never be chilled. Which is the fact that it's a covenant you entered into. You think somehow people think that, oh, it's only in Nigeria that they don't give free things. Free things are in the, in the kingdom. <laughs> this one has a price. That if you get saved, you have a responsibility to save others. So, the Bible here is showing us that to not be wicked and unprofitable servants, we must reconcile them, we must reconcile the world unto, unto God. And then, you can study the life of the devil too. Devil does a very, very great job. Let's check room, is it Revelation 12 now? I think Revelation 12 verse 12. Even the heavens could attest to the strength and the dexterity of the mindset of the devil in this scripture. Revelation 12 verse 12. Revelation chapter 12 verse 12. Okay. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them then he ended by saying, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he had but a short time. Now, so the Bible is talking about the urgency in the mind of the devil. The devil knows that he has a very short time. So he came to this earth with a lot of rot. And even the heavens could attest to, could attest to it. And the heavens said, woe unto the inhabitants of you. These guys will suffer. So boys now that know that Instagram is hard for them to use. Facebook is hard for them to use. Even your workplace might be hard for you to use. All kinds of weird pictures all around. Everybody is dressed themselves but are affecting every other person. You understand what I'm saying? So... <laughs> The Bible is saying that the devil has come with great wrath because he knows he has a short time. And the devil is with an urgency. And so if the Christians do not carry the same urgency that the devil is using, we cannot do much. You see, I think it was yesterday that we checked. It's just 2.18 billion people that are Christians out of over 8 billion people in the world population. This is over 2,000 years of evangelism from several aspects of the world are we doing a good job are we doing a good job no no we're not and sometimes the average believer is used to pushing it to pastor 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 is the one tb said god called him me i have i have some trading things to do this night 
Jesus gave everyone a responsibility when Jesus was about to leave. When he was ascending into heaven, he said, Go ye into all the world. And Jesus gave us purpose. And you need to understand this. I saw, I heard this definition from Pastor Aaron, I think last year. And I want to read it exactly the way he said it. He said, Purpose is that one thing for which you were created and at which you must succeed. Otherwise, all other things at which you succeed will not count. Did you hear my definition? Purpose is that one thing for which you were created. Purpose is that one thing for those that are writing. Is that one thing for which you were created and at which you must succeed. Otherwise, all other things at which you succeed will not count. So it means that if you are a successful businessman, all of a sudden you really became a billionaire and you gave or you gave church money money probably in your lifetime the money that you gave church george soros has not used it to dot, 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 dot. Mm-hmm. Said they can't find me i'm not that popular so <laughs> anybody knows george soros here only one the guy that is the brain behind blah, blah, blah. so <laughs> let's say you gave a hundred billion dollars in your life to many crusades or many churches. It's a great thing too. But the Bible, but the definition here is saying that if you succeed at doing all of that, but you do not succeed at the most important purpose in life, every of that is a waste. So it means that somehow you need to remember that we will stand before Jesus. And let me say this. I know you've not heard it in a long time. I want to preach one message one day. It will be a show. I, I guarantee you it's going to be in probably Valentine's Day period. I'm going to preach on heaven and hell. I kind of say. Yes. yes. I'm going to preach on something, just something around hellfire. To remind us that Jesus is coming soon. And soon means soon. And so when we stand before Jesus, and we're telling Jesus, you need to give me good. You see, the messages that I preach there, <clears throat> even Charles Pogion go try. Jesus is going to say, you did well. Jesus is not going to say, you know, remember that young ruler that met Jesus. Jesus said, you did well. You've been doing well. But one thing, which is the most important thing, is that you didn't bring souls. And so, if we, if we succeed at everything and we fail at the most important, that Christ gave us, which is to reconcile men unto the Father, then we are not doing our job well. We are going far. I really want this to be class. So, I wrote here, I wrote something here. The pop, um, the revelation behind the gospel is the love of God, but the goal of the gospel is restoring man's relationship with God. Write it down. Because that's the second thing you can find from that scripture. Take it back to my scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Thank you, Lord. So there are two things you will find in this scripture. Number one, the fact that the ministry of every believer is reconciling men back to God. Number two, is to understand that the goal of the gospel is restoring man's relationship with God through Jesus. This is very important because what we're doing is redefining the message. 
Because somehow, the promise that people receive when they get saved is that Jesus is going to bless them. Okay. The promise that people receive when they get saved is that there is greatness in, in Christ. You know, that he, he was made poor so that through his poverty we might be made rich. You understand? And so sometimes we paint the good part of the gospel. It's really great. It's true. It's not a lie. But the issue here is the fact that that's not the emphasis of the gospel. The emphasis of the gospel is restoring man's relationship back to God. So it means that anybody that we're going to get saved now, or anybody that is saved right now, that is not working on his relationship with God, as there's a comma in that story. And I don't... Next week, we'll discuss the matter very well. Because when you study eternal life, the Bible says that this is eternal life. That they may know him, the only true God. I think this was even Jesus speaking. And this Jesus whom he has sent. So, it means that the, the revelation behind eternal life is a relationship with God. Not the blessings that come because you are saved. At the core of the gospel is the fact that somebody meets Jesus and tells Jesus, I don't know if you will bless me or not. I will do this, but I don't even care. At this point, I've decided to follow you. Whatever you want to use my head to see, do it. This is the gospel. And so this is why we raise believers that are half-baked. They can't go through the pressures that the gospel also gives. Because Jesus said, come unto me. Anytime I say that thing, it touches me. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, I will give you rest. But you must take my yoke upon you. So, so there is the yoke that comes with the fact that you are saved. But you see, the emphasis in that yoke is to learn of him. It's why when Jesus called disciples, he called them that they would be with him first. And then that he might send them forth. Our to the conditional our relationship with god is is the most important so when you are getting someone saved you are not restoring him back to a church life you are restoring him back to his relationship with what god all of these are very important our responsibility is to reconcile men back to god reconcile men back to a working relationship with god so when a believer, when somebody claims to get saved and does not have a working relationship with God, we have a right to question his entrance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All of these are not my emphasis this night. But I want us to carry that ideology that we have a responsibility to preach. Say it after me. That God is in me. Reconciling the world unto himself. Say it one more time. God is in me. Reconciling the world unto himself. So this is not about if you are prophetic or apostolic. Or all of these things that God will help all of us. It doesn't concern all of that. At the core, all of us have an evangelistic assignment to reconcile the world unto God. Now, so let's, what I came to do actually today is to study how to evangelize. So I'm going to list them. We're going to explain. We're going to practically work on it. This is my goal this evening. How to evangelize. Number one, give me John chapter four, verse 28 to 29. We're going to read 
a lot in this scripture. We'll read 28 to 29, then we'll go from verse 39 to 42. I want you to note that. John chapter 4. From verse 28 to 29. Ah. All right. So Jesus met a woman at the well. We know this story. And when Jesus met that woman, the woman, I heard one joke somewhere. It was nice though. Because Jesus asked the woman, this was the woman that Jesus asked um, for her husband. And she said she didn't have an husband. Yeah, Let me know. <laughs> I'm I'm in the mood to just lecture and play. But let's do this though. The Bible says the woman then water pot. So this is after the woman found out that Jesus was the Messiah. I don't want us to go into all of that. But the Bible says the woman then left a water pot and went away into the city and said unto unto the men. Next. So from this we'll jump to verse 13. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Come see a man. So you can write your first point to be come see. <laughs> come see a man. That can be your first point. You can say come and see. Come see a man. Come see anything that you want to call it. But you see the first way that we preach the gospel is to bring people to church. Be noting it down because we are going to all of these things create a Google Sheet and between now and the end of the year, I will create it myself this night. And between now and the end of the year, I want to see people that will actively work on it. Come see a man. So, we can't say you can't preach just because um, you don't really have the message to preach. You know, some people when I meet the person, what will I tell him? I don't even know. What if the person asks me questions that I don't have an answer for? The Bible is showing us this an aspect of evangelism that is very instructive and powerful, which is the fact that you experience the presence of God and you went outside to tell somebody to come and experience the same. So just in case you don't even have the vocabulary to preach, this is part of the work that you can do. Are you following me? So let me give an example. You came to build. And at the beginning of the year, Emmanuel started to give prophecies. Oh, don't let me even start with that. So somebody came for prayer service. The lady had arthritis. They prayed for her. And then that week she was healed. Completely. Gone. And she comes back with a testimony. You see what church people will do? They will sit down. They will clap. In their mind, I know Emmanuel is anointed. But no. Every miracle is a message. And so, this woman did well by that message. She went to tell somebody that Jesus heals people. Jesus can tell you the things that you have done in your life. She hope you know that she didn't, she didn't know much about the gospel. All about believing or not believing. She didn't understand it. All she knew was come see a man which told me the things that I had done. It means that even if you don't know what to say, there is one thing that you can do. You can bring people to church. It's a form of evangelism. Are you hearing me? Good. So it's a, it's a practical work. Give me verse 39. Take it to verse 39. 
So I want you to see the result of what this woman did. The Bible says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified. He told me all that ever I did. Next verse. We're going to verse 42. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. Next verse. And many more because of his own word. Next verse. This is the part. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you have said, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. But you see, these people would not have come to this conclusion except that somebody went to bring them to the presence of God. So, I know that what people do, churches, and we too encourage our workers to push the flyer, push the link to the message, and all of that. You, you times when believers chicken out of this thing like it's not their responsibility, is an obvious proof that they do not have a revelation. And churches force people to do it, but I'm not going to do that. You see, my ideology is that you must catch the revelation behind it. That's what makes it spirit and life to you. That the testimony that they shared in church should not be in church. Somehow it should extend to your WhatsApp status. Are you hearing me? Wait, are you hearing me? So when you come to church, like last week, and you heard all of the messages last week, all the things that were said, some people will not post. It's one girl that is not going to hear. She won't, she won't agree. That's last. That's post. And sometimes we do not realize that we have a message of reconciliation to do. And one of the ways to do it is to tell people, come and see. See what the Lord has done. See what the Lord has done. What we waited for has come to pass. See what the Lord has done. So when we share testimonies, it's not only to prove that, ah, these guys are anointed. I remember during the um, Believer series that I was speaking and I said that God will lift people and he will start lifting some people from the media team. And I don't want to put them on the spot, but I two people that are giving me very, very, very strange testimonies from the media team. So I'm not saying their names so that you're not going to relate them after service because you people know them. But the thing is this, pay attention. What I'm saying is that when you see that somebody said it and in a few weeks it happened as it was said don't just say this guy is prophetical every miracle has a message so it should some it's your responsibility to find innovative ways to do come and see are you hearing me there are several ways people have done these things i think um rccg calls one of their plans um what do they call it now Catch them, no, catch them young is a general one. Go a fishing. So some, sometimes, go a fishing is a different one. It's not come and see. But the idea, the idea is that we have a responsibility to talk about what God did in his church. What happened in church will not end in church. When you hear something about the salvation and it strikes you, it strikes your spirit. It should not end in your jota. You have a responsibility. Some of you need to start recommendation on your status. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is what I learned. Put the link there, let them go and listen. It's not making a man popular. It's come and see. Are you hearing now? 
So Justin don't know what to preach. Your response, I, I, and I really trust God that we will get to a point where we will start of doing this. Because some of when you want to do your birthday, all that you did is um, Elijah level. It's um, not a problem. But the thing is, you can end it by inviting. How many people saw this happen when you were growing up? I knew it happened in one of my birthdays. What my mom did was that she organized a birthday party. And when, when the birthday party was ongoing, they brought children in the streets, brought them to the house, gave them some um, all these um, videos of Bible stories, and then got many of them saved. Some of you, all your birthdays have passed zero. And the reason is because the, the excuses we give, God is going to help us with knowledge this evening. One, you can tell people, come and say. You can finish your, do your birthday and in the evening. Some of you can organize it every week at your lodge. The person that is playing music, is, he has always been disturbing the lodge. Nobody complains. You can organize it and welcome people in your lodge. Bring them to your house. Put on gen for one, two hours. Build message is not going to pass two hours. Two hours for it's not going to be more than 500. Is that too much? Because sometimes it's like we're saying, we'll take the world and we're expecting one million people and we're not starting from where we can start from. We can start from come see a man. This was one of the strongest points of ESF. And this was the way we used to say it, it was rubbish, but it was working. Because we knew it was a move of the spirit. And it's a privilege that we were counted worthy to be leading that thing. We will tell people, come. And your life will be wrecked. That's the way we used to say it. Your life will scatter. You know, we had weird statements that boys used to say. Then they would say, come, let's go and spill blood. All those weird things. But the goal, I remember one time we wanted to do, it was an ESF service. And what we did was that, oh, we're about to start service, but, and somebody should continue praying. Then Daniel, Daniel is the, is the evangelical guy. Then he mobilized people. No? I think just one or two people. He went to classes. And I know classes were still ongoing because, ESF was going to start by 12. So classes were still ongoing. Daniel would go there, went there and then he told the lecturer to give him 10 minutes. And he told everybody that after this class, they are supposed to go to Chapel of Faith. That um, there is there is a move of the spirits going on there. You people, your life will be changed. And I remember seeing Daniel walking inside the hall with a crowd that is back. I think at least there were going to be about 20, if no more, behind him that day walking. And sometimes... You would think that almost oh, this guy has a lot of enthusiasm. He's just using the scriptures. And it wasn't even in that place at that time. We didn't have much of the But there were many people that didn't know the word of God. And we had it. We had it. Some of you know the messages that you hear in build. It's, it's rare to find it somewhere else. But you've not decided to tell people, come and hear. So your friend, you will meet him in class. You you have to know because I remember Pastor Chris saying that it sounds funny, but the man says it very seriously. The guy is an unbeliever and he's still smiling with you, and he can laugh. What about the life he's living that he's laughing at? He's about to die, and when he dies, he's dying forever. And sometimes we are friends with these people, but we don't love them enough to be able to say, "I know you are an unbeliever. I know you don't like church, but this one, come on." It's prayer service. Are you hearing me? Give me Psalm 68 verse 6. Let me run through quickly. Psalms chapter 68 verse 6. I want to mention one more thing. It's a very, very powerful scripture. I love the scripture. I'll talk about it better next week. But let me just touch on it. 
Psalm 68, verse 6. Okay. Are we close? We are not close. The Bible says God set the solitary in families. And I love this scripture. It's a very powerful scripture. It bringeth out those which are bound in chains. But the rebellion dwell in a dry land. You see, one of the ways, this scripture is teaching us that one of the ways that God helps people is that he plants solitaries in families. So it means that when God wants to help a man, many times what he does is that he plants him in a new spiritual family. See, if you've been doing evangelism for a long time, you would have figured out that people don't today and change tomorrow. It doesn't happen most times. There are very few radicals that it happens to like that. But it doesn't happen to everybody. It's not everybody that gets saved today that picks his Bible and finishes 10 chapters tomorrow. Is that true? Most people don't do that. And so, one of the responsibilities would be to plant people in spirit. There are people that are Christians though. They've been going to church at home. But it's just hard for them to go to church. And one of the things that you need to do is to say, I know that you can, I don't know, let me give an example, you can sing. Let me plug you in and be left and still be singing. We need to have this ideology that one of the safety, the safety nets that God creates for people is to plant them in spiritual families. So when believers don't tell people see what God is doing, those believers are not doing well. So the first idea, I'll do that better next week. The first idea the first way that we preach or the way that we evangelize is come and see. Number two, Mark 16, 15. This was what Jesus said. Jesus said, go ye into all the world. He said, go to all the world and preach the gospel. So I really want us to get it today. I don't want to run through. So I'm not going to fly. So there are two major... This two major ways than the remaining two that I'm going to mention. But we're going to do four today. So number one, you can tell people come and see. And then you have, you also have a responsibility to go and tell them about Jesus. Right? So going to tell people about Jesus is the one that we do and we are going to do on Saturday in Jesus' name. Anybody that escapes that Saturday on I'll visit you with a flying kick. So we'll go out and talk to people about Jesus. So there are two different dimensions here when it comes to reaching people. People come and see, and then you can go to meet people. This is, this is, these are the scenarios where you are still talking to the person about the gospel. He has not changed. He probably has not repented, but you keep coming. Talk to him about Jesus. Explain it to him. He is arguing. Like one that um, Lala and I met on the road one day. I kept us standing for over an hour. You remember? <laughs> Guy was arguing things that did not help. But you see, we do it for Jesus' sake anyways. So we were arguing with guy, helping the guy understand the truth better. But you see, come and see is a very, very powerful one. Because you see, many times people are very inclined to value. Alright? And somehow if you tell them that, oh, there is a, I know that financial series trends more in build. I think you people think they have a lot of money. Anyways, Talking to people about church. And then number two, going to tell them about Jesus. Three. Number three is to form the gospel. Media team, can we play my video? Is my video going to be available? Ah, thank you. So, 
There are three major areas. This is the lecture. Three major areas as touching funding the gospel. Three major areas that you can utilize. So I'm helping us see the whole scope. One way that you can fund the gospel is to give to projects, you know, gospel projects. One of it is ongoing, build cinemas. Or like last year, the conference. So, and it's not just those. It's not just those. There are several other projects. And it's my prayer eh, that we will be as innovative as possible. Some of us here can organize Suya Nights by yourself. Organize it at not get ended with a, um, I don't know how you now, but they are very creative ways. Some of us can money together and start video podcasts, amazing pod to, at least to give us, um, sanitization. We just need breathing space on YouTube. Uh, we've, we've been choking. And some of us can put money together and do some of these things. They don't need to be extremely big. But sometimes it's because we, the pride of me, me, me doesn't allow us to collaborate to do some of these things. But you see, funding the gospel can be done in several ways. Putting money in kingdom projects like this. Right? Like giving to church. Like giving to, um, build cinemas. Let me say that again. So any project that is pro kingdom and the goal is to save souls can be given to. That's number one. I don't want to give more scriptures. But if you check Exodus chapter 25, you will find out that God told Moses to tell the children of Israel to bring up their increase. And the goal was that they wanted to God. Alright? So, funding kingdom project is part of doing, is part of um, participating in evangelism. Number two, is giving to ensure that there is food in God's house. One of the amazing things that we have realized uh, is that when it comes to preaching the gospel, human beings is a painful realization, but um, some don't have enough. And then one of the things that church do is that they feed people, they help people, including build. Don't, don't have to talk about it. And it doesn't mean that we need to have a car and a house yet. But as a preacher, that you realize is that the money that comes into the church comes for two major reasons. The work of God and to ensure that there is food in God's house. Is that same ideology that was, that was used in the days of the apostles? If you remember, that's what Ananias and Sapphira were trying to exploit. But the idea was that church people learned how to, how to part with things that they do not need and come and drop it at the apostles' feet because sometimes some of those things it might be hard to uh, many of you have participated every single day that we come to school and we agreed on that night so you bring clothes that you don't use and stuffs that you don't use and they carry it there and they use it to save souls and give people alright so we need to have an ideology of bringing people to church going to tell people about Jesus and not just that funding the gospel funding kingdom projects giving for food in the house of God and then painfully, I don't like teaching this one. I've never taught on this before, but giving to men of God. Because you see, you can give to church and the man can die preaching. It's amazing. Um, nobody should send anything to my account in Jesus' name. Amen. But you see, the idea is this. It is a man that will preach. Is that true? And so to say that you gave church and you do, some people are amazing. There are many people saw one clip. God, why do I feel like joking too much today? I mean, we saw one clip of one woman like this. I was swearing for our church members because they didn't give us something on her birthday. 
How many of you saw that clip? It's a, it was a very funny clip. But it was funny, and many people would have said, this is how pastors used to do. But it's his members that push pastors to be very stubborn like that. Because, did you hear what she was saying? We support people on their, when they have need for rent and this and that. And she said, even on her birthday. Birthday, the guy, everybody disappeared. Like the man is not going to come back and preach on Sunday. And people have an ideology too. That the man that is preaching, is preaching like this because everything is fine with him. It's not true. Do you think it's true? It's not true. All of us are working these kingdom principles. But you see, believers have to be trained to not be coerced. You see, when we say, I've, I've done this during the financial series, but I didn't teach it in this dimension. Paul! Um, that would be Philippians 4, but I want to find the exact verse. Let's start from verse 13. Paul was explaining something. He was giving a story of how the believers were giving to help the ministry. And then he ended that whole thing by saying, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So most times we claim that scripture, but some of us have not partnered with any preacher. And I'm not saying, please be careful. It's a very, it's hard. I don't like touching things like this. But be very careful. But the truth is that a man has to preach. If money is given and everybody goes to build, um, goes to Akumba and we save plenty souls, the pastor that we disciple will have to pray for people. And some of us don't even know. I've had to do ministry, preach to people. And by the midnight, 12 midnight, I'm on the road, nowhere to sleep. That's the way some of us are to be able to train our spirits. Because at that time you just focus on Jesus and you have to pray to find your square roots. But it has happened to me before. But many times it's because people ignore the preachers except the preacher that is always talking about grace. And uh, let me... So this is not prophet's offering. The idea of prophet's offering, let me say, because I've always not wanted to teach on this because it will cause trouble. But the idea of prophet's offering was from the Jewish culture, right? The Jewish culture that says you don't go to meet a man, especially a man at that kind of authority, uh, empty handed. So you, you, you go with something, right? At least, at least. And most times prophet offering does not necessarily mean money. Some people just come with extra, um, you know, food, something, maybe not food, but you know, there were farmers there and livestock. And they just bless the prophet and tell the prophet to pray for them. But in our generation, it's different. <laughs> the seed that you give a man of God is an investment that must yield returns. So, sir, if the miracle does not happen, we'll come and hold your trouser. <laughs> I have never been one that's... And, and for someone like me, that has always frowned at that kind of thing for a long time, the side effect is that nobody, most probably people don't give you anything. But it's none of my business. And I'm not saying any... To my accounting, I'm saying it again. Thank you. But I'm saying... That somehow the man has to preach. I've, I've come here sick before I'm preaching. And so sometimes some people just need to be reasonable to say, if this man is going to preach, we can settle. Sir, you have to do a lot of research to preach one sermon. I'll buy you data. You know, sometimes all we just need to do is to find a way to make sure that the gospel progresses. And if it would mean some of us can sponsor build data, it's not even that hard. How much do we spend on it? I'm not going to say it, but I'm just saying that we have to have the ideology that the gospel must spread. And even though these are th- things that I don't like teaching, but I'm going to talk about it, to help you and to help your faith. And it's not just about you. I learned this growing up. Some of us, as young as we were, we didn't have much money, but sending 100 naira, 200 naira recharge card, 500 naira recharge card to our pastor was all we could do at that time. But it was useful. 
Because this man has to call members. And it's amazing. Somebody will call you by midnight. Does not really have your time. Flash you. And make sure that you pick first before he drops the call. Then 1 a.m. you have to discuss with somebody. And the person will first say, sir, were you sleeping? No. I was not. <laughs> no, I was not. I was frying beans. <laughs> but you, you don't blame people. That's what members do. That's what members do. Some a member can even see you eating and say, Do you eat? No, I don't. I don't. I want to die like one of those Somalian children. <laughs> but you, we have theology. And I'm saying this because I want us to be responsible believers. There is a work that is about to go on for the gospel, and we're not going to pressure people or coerce people. We're going to talk about it. That's all we're going to do. But I'm saying that I want believers to be those kinds of people that can come and say, I know that if people are going to travel to Akuba, it means that they are going to lodge in an hotel. I dropped 2,000 to be part of it. It doesn't exactly have to be much. This is where believers, believers think that one day when I become a billionaire, I will drop 900,000. He that is faithful in little is faithful in what? So we must have that ideology. We give for three major reasons. One, were we in class? Number one. We give to kingdom projects. Number two. Food in God's house. Number three. Yeah. So, 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 so. And, and it doesn't just have to be built. I personally, I partner with projects of churches that are not here. Young ministers that are like me. And there is no competition in kingdom advance. I remember a church that said that they were planning to get their own space, their own hall and stuff. And when I saw it, I said I was going to dedicate something and send it. I remember one church um, around here too that wanted to hold the crusade and I trusted that this crusade is going to be crusade. It's not going to come with the angel of prosperity. So I knew it was going to save souls anyway. So we just have to be responsible to see that if the gospel is thriving, we should be there. And this does not change the fact, this does not change the fact that there is much oil and treasure in the dwelling of the wise and is a foolish man that spends everything. So you must be wise about your spending but you can plan it. In one of the financial series, I said that believers can prepare for kingdom funds. Some of these things are things you prepare for. Somebody is going to, I want to bring two people to Akure during the conference. What do I do? They need transport. I can start saving 2K from now. As of December, it will be something. Is that true? And so we, we just must have that attitude and for the gospel. It's that passion that drives us to do all the things that we do. Number one, we tell people come to the presence of God. Number two, go to preach to them. Number three, we fund the gospel. Lastly, I can't do the first scripture, there's no time. Luke chapter 10. I hope I've given us um, ideas today. Luke chapter 10 verse 2. I hope I've given us ideas today. There are several things we can do. Some people here, your birthdays are coming very soon. Organize something. Just borrow one of your friend's speaker. Bring it to your room. Invite a few of your friends. You people should eat. Obviously, you would have eaten before, but you people should eat and round up that thing with a message. But let's, let's be enthusiastic about the gospel. I told you of one of my friends. When he was doing his birthday, what his friends told him, they told him to wait at home. That 
get, I think, was it four souls? It, at that until they souls, they are not coming back. And that was going to be his birthday gift. It's my prayer that that kind of burden will be on everybody in this place. In the name of Jesus. Luke chapter 10 verse 2. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers. Uh, do you have my video? Please. I want, I want us to watch a video. And we'll leave. I'm, I'm watching the time. Ah, that video is about 10 minutes. 8 minutes. He was a nice person. He was a decent person. He was very smart. He was the only Christian in the whole of the school. Because I thought as a Muslim, I must be better than him. But he was better than I. We start to beat him every single day that we come to school. And we agreed on that night, we need to kill him. It was dark. It was uh, cold. And we went ahead of him. And we were five of us. We climbed a tree and we waited there. And from far away, we saw that a torch coming. And the light became bigger and bigger as it approached us. And the minute that he just went under the tree, we jumped at him. He was crying, he was screaming, he was shouting. We broke his arm, we broke his leg, he started to bleed. And because he started to scream and begging for help, I put my hand in his mouth so that no noise will come out. Similar when you are slaughtering a sheep, you know, it's just shivering and the others were, were beating him. I felt very proud. You were actually doing something for, for Allah. You know, you want to please him. And suddenly, he could no longer breathe and we could not hear his voice. We left him in the wood between life and death. We went back, you wash yourself and you cry. And Zechariah never came back. Never seen him again. I was born and raised up in a very, very fanatic Muslim family. When I was a child, my father brought me to a Quran school. I was only eight years old, and my father just dropped me there. They shaved my head. We sat in a circle. The shaykh sat in the middle of the circle, and he has a very long whip. I was forced to memorize the Quran. Every mistake that you do, this whip, will just come right in the middle of your head. You're not allowed to cry because in our culture they tell you men never cry. I was crying every single night. And they told me you belong to the Islamic Ummah and that's why you fight for it, you stay loyal to it. I started to hate people, to hate everybody who's not a Muslim. And I especially used to hate the Jews. So I was preparing myself to go and fight for Allah in the jihad. But every night I went to bed. And when we put the light off, I did not know what would happen with me if I die. My cousin was severely sick. 
And the doctors, they said, he's going to die. They gave him only a couple of days. And when they came to people, they were Coptic Christians. And one of them wanted to greet me. And then I saw he had a cross. And then I pulled my hand back. I said, well, I'm not going to touch a hand with a cross. And then he said to me, we hear that this child is sick. Who would like to pray for him? And only out of politeness, I told them, okay. And they started to speak to God like a person that he speaks to his friend. They said, God, please heal this child. The minute that they said, Amen, this child opened his eyes for the first time in four weeks. He started to move his hands. He started to speak. He sat down in his bed and he started to walk. And one of those two persons who prayed sat down with me and he said to me, you know what? The real miracle is that God wants to change your heart. Do you believe that Yeshua is alive? And I told him, yeah. Because according to the Islamic tradition, God took him to heaven and he's alive and he will come back one day. And he said to me, because he's alive, you can speak to him. That changed my entire life. And when I started to read the scripture, nobody needed to convince me to love the Jewish people. The only way for Muslims to start to love the Jews is when they meet Yeshua. I loved my family. I loved my father. I loved my mother and I loved my community. And when I decided to follow Yeshua, my grandfather and my father said to me, you are no longer one of us. They made a funeral. They invited friends and family. They brought a coffin to the cemetery and they said, our son is dead. To be declared dead with no family, I said to God, where are you? I hear this voice. And this voice told me, you know that the grave where your name is written, you know that grave is empty. And guess what? My grave is also empty. I went to Egypt for the first time after many years. And I was in a pastoral conference. And one of the Sudanese pastors came to me, an elderly man, gray hair, started to speak to me and he asked me, where did you come from? I told him my story. He started to cry. And then I asked him, why are you crying? And he said to me, do you remember me? My name is Zachariah. And suddenly, I remembered him. The last time I saw him, it was in that dark night. I could hear suddenly the way that he was screaming, even though that was 25 years. Suddenly I started to see his broken arm and broken legs. I started to see the scars which I caused him. I started to be full of shame. I was a bad person, yeah. I was terrible. So Zachariah looked me straight into the eye again and he said to me, Yes, sir, because 
You hated me so much. I was always praying for you. He opened his Bible, and the minute he opened his Bible, I saw that my name was written in the first page. I hated him. He prayed for me. On that day, God confronted me. He said to me, even before you start to think about me, I was thinking about you. To love those who hate you, you need someone whose name is Yeshua. Alright. So, I played that video to, to, to do Luke chapter 10. Verse 2, where Jesus said that the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few, and that we should pray ye the Lord of harvest to send laborers. But we're not going to pray the Lord of harvest to send laborers tonight. We're going to pray for souls around us. We're going to pray for people that we know are dwelling in sin. You heard the story, what? If we were beating him, he loved them and he prayed for them. And this is one of, you see, your, your compassion for an unbeliever cannot increase until you start praying for them. Until you start praying for them. i like us to pray in few minutes. Just give us strength and I want you to pray. But anybody you pray for, you must also talk to. Pray. Put someone in your heart and pray with a burden. Don't pray like you're asking for tea and bread. Pray. Lord, you've given us a mandate. Lord, you've given us a mandate. We have a responsibility to save many. Please pray. Please pray. We're living very soon. But I want us to pray. I want us to pray from the depth of our spirit for someone. The one that offended you. The one that you are angry at. I'd like you to pray hearts please pray lord in the in the land of akure we pray we pray in akumba lord we pray there are many people that is that they are needing the gospel it's time to tell them come see a man that told me that it's not just about money it's not just about power and faith that there is purpose to life come see a man that gave me hope of eternal life. I'm going to talk about Jesus to them. But for the first few minutes, I'm praying for them. Lord, as we go to Akumba, from the depths of our spirits, we pray. There are young ladies that are about to be derailed. There are young boys that are about to be derailed. It's pride to act like you don't need Jesus. We've not lived in this world before now. It's just because they've not experienced the saving power of Jesus. And one of the ways that we save souls, even though we give, even though we tell them to come, is that we pray for them. Please pray. Please pray. Pray with a burden. Pray with a burden. They must hear about Jesus. People can't just be antagonistic to the progress of the faith. We've seen what Jesus does to society. 
We've seen what Jesus does to civilization. We've seen what the gospel does when it enters a place. Lord, we pray for Akure, for every youth. We pray that the rulers of the darkness take their hand off young people. We say no to the distractions that hold them away from Jesus. Pray for those that Pray for the person that cheated you in business. He took your money. Pray for him. Souls still become Paul in this kingdom. Many still change. And we have a responsibility. God was in Emmanuel reconciling the world to himself. Pray. I'll be off your face, but pray. 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 I'm sure there is one Zechariah in your life and in your story. I'm sure there is a family member in your life and in your story. We can't keep saying we'll be many and sit down and be passive. Lord, I take steps. I take steps. I secure their souls. I secure their souls. They won't just be entering our messages. They will come to church. Oh, Lord Jesus, let there be a split. A, 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 encounters. Let many people start to see Jesus in their dreams. On this campus. Let many people start to see the Savior beckoning them to come. This is the major way we prove the love of Jesus is by praying for sinners that they be saved. That they be saved. In Jesus' name we are praying. We would leave. Now, on Saturday, I don't want us to just be talkers but doers, like I said. So, that we will leave and go and save souls. You know the several dimensions. Come see a man or going to tell or you will be here praying while everybody is outside. Which time? So, after the rehearsal. I know we are on break. Even though we have plans, I'd like you to trust God to and kick away plans from between 12 and 1 on Saturday. And we are going out to save souls. In Jesus' mighty name. I've prayed. I'll create a Google sheet and I'll send it to the group this night. God bless you. The Word of God is a seed that brings radical transformation. And we believe you have been transformed by the word you just received. Follow us live on our MixLR and download our messages on our Telegram channel. The number to call for partnerships and inquiries is 0811-414-7940.